and talking to our friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. I'm Danielle. Hey, everybody. This is an all-Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics. We're even reading the weird tales. And we're going to get into some other stuff that's kind of like off the beaten path. We'll talk about that later. And every week, we also interact with our listeners. And now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. No. Mm -mm. (laughs) You're reading some comic books, and then we're going to read them... We tell you what to read, and you read that, and then we're going to talk about it, and you listen to us talk about it, and then you're going to talk about it by <laughs> sending us an email. That's hey damn guys, or you get on social media, and then the, the we all talk about it together. That's why it's a book club, and uh, also friendship. Back to you, John. Ah, oh, thank you so much. That was so special. <laughs> and hey, everybody, it's Danielle's birthday. It's hey, Danielle's birthday. Happy birthday, Danielle. Yeah, happy birthday. Okay. Thank you for doing the podcast. Yeah, no, I have a beer here, so. (laughs) There you go. I'm good. Birthday beer. And book club member Ryan Yule also has a birthday on the same day as you. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Oh, Oh, okay. Happy birthday. Yeah, so happy happy birthday birthday to Ryan, Ryan too. Book club member. It's a friendship. Yeah. No, that's, that's very nice. Thank you. That's very sweet. I want to make sure to mention to follow all the guys, follow Mike Mignola on Instagram and social media. He's been doing some amazing things, just cranking out little goblins, holding up chess pieces. And Man. Today okay. was the lion I was just going to say about the chess pieces, though. Chess set. Yes. Make a chess set out of that. Oh, that would be so oh, awesome. Oh, man. I mean, we'd never be able to get one. It would cost like $1,000. Right. But yeah. it would be cool to see it. To see hey, someone like, make the pieces. We can rob a bank. No, I think that this is what they <laughs> should do. For real. Okay, so Mantic, the people that make the board game, they are already making the giant robot Hellboy into a board game piece. Oh, okay. Which was a sketch oh, that nice. Mignola just did. Right. So I think that Skeleton Crew, who has a license to work with Mignola, yeah. should start coming out with those chess pieces individually. One at a time. Individually? Yes. Oh, yeah. Because like, then yeah. we could afford it. And they wouldn't have to make the whole, manufacture the whole thing. Just come up with them one at a time. You, like, subscribe for it. But you don't need one of each piece. You need, like, two knights and two... Well, then each set. You would, the two knights, you would get that section. And then you would get the pawns. All the pawns However many pawns. And it would be, like, like, kind of pieced out. So that way, one, we could afford it. And then, two, they wouldn't have to manufacture the whole thing. They could just manufacture the individual pieces at a time. And then at the end, you could buy, like, a fancy board, maybe, or something. Maybe you don't even Uh, have to do that. You could just have the pieces. Anyway, that's what I think should happen. Okay. So just make that uh, happen. Okay, skeleton crew. (laughs) That's kind of like how they used to do those commemorative chess sets back in the day, where you would buy the board and a piece, and then every month you would buy a new piece. Yes, yes. That's maybe that's what I'm thinking of. They used to have commercials like that on TV, where they had commemorative chess sets. Really? That's what they should do. It's like it's like it's like you started with a starter kit of let's say a board and maybe like a couple of pieces, and then you had to buy each piece individually. I'm kind of shocked there isn't already. A Mignola chess set somewhere. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect yeah. idea for him to throw that out there. Huh. Although, speaking of the cool stuff that he's been putting on his Instagram, I really like that one dude, He he that corn on the cob guy. Oh. He did. Horrible <laughs> corn cob man. With the, the yeah, people with the vegetable great. heads. I really loved yeah. those. Yeah, those were really great. There's been so many cool things. He did the yeah. Chitara, didn't he? 
That was just now, yeah. Yeah, that as was of this recording. Today. Yeah, it's just been fun seeing those come out every day. And speaking of all those sketches, you want to check out these eBay auctions if you can afford that. You know, all the proceeds he's auctioning off all these sketches that we're talking about, and the proceeds go to the World Central Kitchen. They're now active in dozens of cities, providing over two hundred and fifty thousand fresh meals every day. So yeah, check that out. I wanted to give them a shout out as well. I wish that he, he would release them all like in a book that I could buy because I know I could never afford the eBay auctions, but I can afford a collection book. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that. You know, he releases those sketchbooks from the vault, yeah. and they're all numbered. He should do some from the vaults based on these guys and from sell the them vault. on their website. Yeah, quarantine that would be great. edition. Yeah, really, that would be awesome. And then that you can that could generate more profits for the charity. Oh, that would be amazing! Yeah, you're absolutely right. Hey, somebody get this information over to Mignola. He's got to do that. <laughs> and if you've been enjoying the show, you know everything that we do on the show is free. We do our show every week. Plus, we have our social media posts where I put together images of stuff that we talk about every single week and little comparisons and trivia and all that. So share those posts on Facebook or repost us on Instagram. Put us in your story retweet us on twitter or like i said leave us a review on itunes and let us know how much you enjoy the show and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback get out trades and floppies get out hardback copies digital is fine read along time get out we had a hey you damn guys from tristan alfaro book club member yeah Hey, you damn guys. Tristan from Australia here. I'm listening to the show, and I'm one of the people shouting at you for not knowing about Doctor Who. Okay. <laughs> well, Aubrey knew about Doctor Who, and, and I think I cut it out of the last episode, but you were like, hey, you mentioned that I knew. You left in the part where I said I knew about Doctor Who, right? And I was like, yes, yeah. I did, Aubrey. <laughs> and then you cut it out. <laughs> but yeah, I, forget all, I, know, I know all about the Doctor Who's. <laughs> he says he's been obsessed since 1984. I'd be happy to give you and Danielle some tips on one to watch if you want. No. <laughs> That's okay. But, but Danielle, don't you want to spend all that time watching Doctor Who? I'm sorry, but if I have to get a dissertation on what to watch first, uh, if it's more of, of a job than something to enjoy, I'm not going to do it. Mm, right. Although you should probably cut that out because I sound a little bit like a hypocrite. This is all we talk about is Hellboy, so let me revise my answer. Okay. Yeah, maybe. he also said hope you guys are safe and well yeah thank you man i hope you guys are doing well over there too we also had a hey you damn guys from tom barnett he said i'm doing a weird listen and read i've started listening to the podcast shortly after you started it then i fell off around the time the hellboy movie came out i jumped back in during this quarantine time so I reread Hellboy in Hell and listened to those episodes. Now I'm reading Weird Tales so I can listen along with the new episodes. And I'm also reading BPRD Plague of Frogs. And so he's listening to those episodes as well. So I'm all out of place. So he's like in three different spots at the same time. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Also, I'm feeling like all the stories from last week are non-canon, except maybe the Eric Powell one, Midnight Cowboy. That was the one with Mac where he mutates yeah. and then he's fine. Yeah, that's the only one I'll take as some sort of canon. He says, its tone fits with pancakes, and Eric Powell's artwork fits in with the Hellboy world perfectly. And what's up with BPRD Hell on Earth Volume 2 being out of print? Hopefully after this pandemic, Dark Horse will fix that. Stay safe. 
my experience is that when the hardcovers go out of print, they don't print them anymore. Mm. So I did not know that volume two was out of print. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Is that the one that uh, had the page missing and then I seeing you the replacement one? Yeah, I wonder if that's why, because... But you would think there would be more of them then. There would be like double the amount or something. Because it came out initially and it had a misprint, so then they came out with it again that it was fixed. So I guess the one with the misprint is like, oh, if you get this one, you, fi- you find it, it's worth some money. Or I don't know. I don't know Aren't if it would be. misprints usually worth money? Like there's a, there's a whole slew of like misprinted comics that are worth a billion fucking dollars right or no i don't think a page missing is constitutes something that people will value as a collector's item okay i mean that's weird to think about when i was at uh i was at our local comic book store bedrock city shout out to bedrock city they're doing live sales every wednesday on facebook i ordered he doesn't get paid to say that no. either. He just really likes to... Bedrock City. Like, that's super cute. I was just like, not a paid promotion. No, it's not. It's I love just, them. We just like them, yeah. The other day, I just bought a gift card from them just because I wanted to give Aww. them money. I just bought a gift card and said, put it in my box. Anyway. Um, nice. We're friends with people that work there. Like, it's not just that we're, you know. They're good people. Yeah, they're, they're really good people, good people. And it's a good, it's, they're, they're a good bunch of people. Yeah, friendship. Friendship. Um, but I was there and I bought a trade from them. I forgot what it was. And I noticed that it had a page that was upside down in it. Wow. And so when I went back to pick up my books, I brought the trade back and I was like, Hey, this one has a page that's upside down or a bunch of pages were upside down. And I was like, is there any chance I could get like a one that where it's like regular? And he was, and the guy goes, no, this one's worth money with the upside down pages. And I go for real. He goes, nah, probably not. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm not know, a collector so, anyway. person, but I, I figured, like, you know, nerds go apeshit over shit like that. They're like, the ink on this page is blue instead of red. It's supposed to be the other way around. His yeah. underpants are a different color. It's worth $500 or something, right? Well, <laughs> no? I think, I, I think yes. the initial thing has to be worth something to begin with. You know, just a misprinted of something fair that's point. That's a right. fair point. Like, if you had an Action Comics number one and half the pages were upside down, I bet you that would go for double something sure. else. Oh, sure. right. Yeah. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from TechPat de Sequoia. TechPat de Sequoia. Book club member. After hearing Aubrey and John do Danielle's famous introduction rant, <laughs> I was thinking that could be your next call to action. Have book club members call in with their intro rant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So You do and, it. And so I responded to him and I said, you're first. Yeah. Let's hear it. I, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear everybody sending it. one. It would be so great to cut that in. And I could go, and now Whoever's, book club member is yeah. going to tell you all about it. And it'll cut to you. Wouldn't that be awesome? So, yeah, send us one of those. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Drew Campbell said. Drew Campbell. Book club member. That's right. Wow, I always assumed Skellington was a Nightmare Before Christmas <laughs> reference. <laughs> And Danielle, it sounded like the guys left you hanging on the Leroy Jenkins reference, ah. but don't worry, I got it right away. No, I can't blame them. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay, so hold on about this, this before... Leroy Jenkins thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I honestly didn't know. Okay, I'm going to admit, I didn't know anything about the Leroy Jenkins. Well, I didn't know I, until I saw, Danielle showed I, me. Yeah. Well, I saw I saw Drew's comment, and then later, maybe an hour later, I'm looking on Instagram you stories. It. No, I didn't Google it. I was looking at Instagram stories and somebody posted this thing and it says, never forget this video. And I was really? Like, it was the anniversary it. of it recently. Really? Like the day after wow. that came out. I did not know that. I didn't know that and either. And all of a sudden I see this fucking video of Leroy Jenkins no. and I was just like, oh my God. It's, it's one of the, it's a very early gaming meme 
that's one of the first times that outside of those communities, the shit went whatever viral and right, other people yeah. were kind of, it became more mainstream and it became more, <laughs> but yeah, Leroy Jenkins. I, I know you don't listen to the episodes, but I even cut in that part where the guy goes, damn it, Leroy. After, after <laughs> you did? That's I great. I found that part. Anyway. Oh, that's great. It's a great video. I didn't know about it until you showed me. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. I heard about it, saw the comment. Saw the video, all within the span We're of an hour. Bringing the <laughs> bringing the joy of raid destroyers to everybody. And, and then I googled it and read all about it. So yeah, that was kind of funny, but I just like okay, that's just awesome. <laughs> Last week, you and asked what Guy Davis is working on, and I couldn't remember it. Christopher Egan said the movie Guy Davis was working on is Antlers, another Wendigo tale, but not like Daryl. This looks horrifying, and I've been depressed. I can't see it since we've gone into lockdown. So, yeah, we got to check that out once it comes out. Cool. We had some feedback on The Weird Tales, Midnight Cowboy. Hayden Orr said... Hayden Orr! Book club member. Yeah, thank you. This is probably my favorite story from the bunch. Eric Powell is probably my second favorite comic creator in terms of character-owned stuff like Hellboy and the Goon. He's got such a great sense of humor but he can also do some really intense and emotional work at the same time. Plus, his other series, Hillbilly, is awesome too. So I got to meet Eric Powell recently at our local comic book store that I mentioned earlier, Bedrock City, and I got my Hillbilly one signed and CGC certified, and I got a 9.8 on it. So yeah, I was pretty pumped nice. about that. Anyway, that's a great series too. And another reason I love the story is because I actually named my first dog Mac after Hellboy Aww. when me and my husband bought our house. That's cute. And then he posted Aww. a picture of him with his Mac. Aww. Yeah. So I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's so awesome. I got to see that. Where is that? It's on Facebook. Okay. We had some feedback on the story Haunted, Techpat de Sequoia. So this is the story where Hellboy was looking for the ghosts and then his dish broke and then all the ghosts were like laughing because he couldn't see them. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He said, I would say this is not canon. One of Hellboy's quote unquote superpowers is that he can see ghosts. I didn't think about that, but yeah, he always sees he's ghosts. He's always hanging out with fucking ghosts. He's always hanging out with ghosts. So what's that about? So that story could not be canon. And then Drew Campbell responded, and he said, I was going to say the exact same mm, thing. Yeah. Yeah. We I didn't, didn't realize it. We didn't even pick that up. That. Thank yeah. you for mentioning that. Yeah. Wow. I never thought of that, that that's one of his he's superpowers. He's always talking to ghosts But yeah, it is. Uh, regarding Hot, Tales from the Chris said... Um, regarding that one-horned Hellboy, did you see that picture I posted of the little statue? That was I did. Yeah, and so he said it has to be modeled off that story because the face is almost the same too. Yeah, it looks too similar in that uh, statue. Regarding flight risk, Evan Huston said, "I never knew I needed Hellboy in a bomber jacket." Thank you. <laughs> and Jerry Turnbull, you know, we talked about that Stephen Parkhouse art style. He said, I didn't think this story was very representative of his work. This is my favorite of his stuff. Highly recommended. And he posted a picture of the Bo Jeffries saga by Alan Moore and Stephen Parkhouse. So, yeah, okay. I have to check that out. And he also yeah. mentioned uh, Annie Parkhouse, the letterer on Theater of the Dead, which is one of the stories we read last week, is Steve's wife. So they both work in comics. I thought that was super cool. That's cool. Wes Maddice said, This one might have been canon, because Lloyd also makes the jetpack for Hellboy in Wake the Devil. Remember, I was I said that I remembered a guy named Lloyd, so I went back and looked in Wake the Devil, and there, there's a character that's similar to him in Wake the Devil, 
and he gives Hellboy the jetpack, and and Hellboy says, "Geez, Lloyd, I hate these goddamn things." Uh huh. And then he's in a jetpack. The Lloyd in flight risk is right. You know, so so, yeah. so that could be canon. Yeah, they're both named Lloyd. I mean, what are the chances that Hellboy knows two guys named Lloyd who have jetpacks? Yeah, exactly. So is yeah. that? I mean, that's. Clearly a reference. Thank you for that. finding that. I, I couldn't remember yeah. that at the time. I knew that there had to be some guy. I remembered that. Anyway. And Ryan Yule. Happy birthday, Ryan. He also uh, spotted one of those saguaro cacti where it doesn't exist in Nevada. On the second page of Flight Risk. Fun fact. The cacti is often used as an emblem in commercials and logos that attempt to convey a sense of the Southwest. <laughs> even if the product has no connection to Arizona or the Sonoran Desert. For instance... No naturally occurring saguaros are found within 250 miles of El Paso, Texas, but the silhouette is found on the label of the old El Paso brand products. Yeah. And I mean, this is, it's a common, it's a common thing because it just, if a certain shape becomes iconic. You've talked about yeah. like in, in movies. Oh yeah. It, it's really weird. Like you'll, you'll be watching a movie and you'll that, hear a bird that belongs nowhere near yeah. there. Absolutely does not exist in that or area. Like when hawks and eagles fly down, they don't make that. They don't make that sound. Yeah, no, it's usually sound. they've attached a different bird's call to that bird. And so like, for example, when they show like a bald eagle, mm-hmm. the sound that you'll hear is a completely different bird like a hawk or something. It's because the sounds that the bald eagles make, they don't, it's not really, we want the bald eagle yeah, yeah. to sound really scary and intimidating, but like that's like a tiny little hawk, like the size of your hand, right. is making this sound. <laughs> and so, and the bald eagle, meantime, I don't know if you have time to do this, Whoever, if you're listening to this, you know, Google bald eagle sound, it's ridiculous. I'll do it. Yeah, well, movies, they're just trying to put together. They're like, oh, they're outside. Let's put random bird sounds. (laughs) Here, I bought a pack of bird sounds for $1.99. Let's put this one in here. And it's like a blue jay. Right. But they'll be in fucking wherever, Iceland or some shit. Yeah, interesting. Also, blue jays can make themselves sound almost exactly like a red-shouldered hawk. People will say, oh, that's a hawk. I'm like, ah, that's a blue jay. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we got way off topic. That's okay. Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell. Uh, <laughs> I'm a club member. <laughs> he said uh, he was. <laughs> Sorry. We were talking about those how, uh, those Mignola covers that he did for Michael McDowell. So uh, Drew Campbell and Jerry Turnbull both showed up. Thank you for that. Cold Moon Over Babylon and Gilded Needles are the name of those novels. Although he didn't do the interiors. You know, if you're, a, if you're a collector of that kind of thing, or you just like really good books, check those out. Regarding Family Story, remember that was the one where Hellboy stomped the cat and all that stuff? Do you remember that story? Yes. So, I thought this was so funny. Techpad de Sequoia said, all of us during this weird tale. It's a community meme, okay. if you've ever seen no, that I show. That. The gif has Britta, the character, saying... I can excuse racism, but I draw the line at animal cruelty, but he blocked out racism and put ghost banging. Okay. I can excuse ghost banging, but I draw the line at animal cruelty. It's true. It's true. (laughs) I thought that was so awesome. 
Anyway, I can look the other way on a lot of stuff. I yeah, can, you know, but that's that's something that I uh, no. It just seems so out of place for that story. Yeah. yeah, it's a common thing that people say of like you can kill as many people as you want in a movie, but if you kill a dog, I'm, right, that's it. I'm out. Well, we've talked about this before. There's there are whole websites devoted to letting you know if a dog dies in yeah. the movie before you go see There's, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Regarding Big Top Hellboy, that was the John Cassidy one. Mm-hmm. Drew Campbell said, Flatty, remember I was wondering what that term meant when flatty, he calls yeah. Hellboy a flatty, is a British European circus slang for spectators or just any non-circus person. Oh, is he British? So it's like a circus slang. Is John Cassidy British? I don't know. I thought he was American, yeah. I when mean, I read his Wikipedia, it said an, an American comic book oh, artist. Oh, okay. So what is he just knows he just knows some slang. Who was the character saying that? The the little ringmaster. Okay, ghost. yeah. So the ringmaster guy, he wanted him to have a Cockney accent. For, there you go. For flavor. That's or good. I don't know. Who knows? Regarding weird tales shattered, Ruben Strid said, "I can't find my copy of Hollow Earth, but the sword in the rock looks like something from that story." It does. I went back and looked at that, but I couldn't find it. But I do agree. It kind of looks like the sword because the King of Fear appeared in that story, and he had a sword. It kind of looked like that. Okay. Jason Abaddon said. A perfect Jim Starlin panel when I posted the the splash page with all the references in it that I had you and Aubrey quizzed on last week. He said it has a classic Z layout that leads the eye from left to right, then down Hellboy's arm and leg to the bottom. Masterful. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. I love that page by Jim Starlin. It was so great to see him do a Hellboy story. Regarding love is scarier than death, Ross Radke said, I always like this one. Canon. Yeah, he said he's he thinks that one's canon. Okay. You know, because that one did reference Anastasia Bronzefield, who who we know is actually, you know, part of the canon. And Astrogul said, I love this story. Weird Tales is underrated. Yeah, so thank you guys. Alright, so thank you for all the listener feedback. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. This week, we're continuing our ongoing discussion of Hellboy Weird Tales. This is a series that ran from February 2003 to April 2004. We're following the collected edition reading order, which is a little different from the order of the individual issues and also the trade paperbacks. And our first story is Abe Sapien, star of the BPRD. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number four. Story by John Arcudi. So John Arcudi was going to go on and write years and years. I think it, I think I read it was over a hundred issues. But this was like right in the beginning when this story came out. He was barely starting with like the dead. Remember when we read BPRD the Dead, where that scientist mm-hmm. like turns into a flesh moth or whatever? It was our first Daimyo story and stuff like that. Yeah. The stories by John Arcudi, which I love, and. I wanted to mention this Robots of Tomorrow podcast. So this is another great podcast. They talk about comic book stuff. And way back in the day, they did two extensive interviews with John Arcudi. And I haven't mentioned it on the show because he spoils everything. It's called the BPRD Exit Interview. And it's when he leaves BPRD. And it's after, oh, wow. like, cometh the hour and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I highly recommend going back to that Robots of Tomorrow podcast. Check out episode 346 and 348 to hear a really great interview by John Arcudi. I think it's safe for you to listen to, Aubrey, because, like, you've read up to where that talks about. Okay. The art and colors on this story are by Roger Landridge. He's a New Zealand comics writer, artist, letterer. 
He originally came to public prominence, most notably with the Judge Dredd magazine series, The Straight Jacket Fits, a surreal, hallucinatory, convention-bending strip with a cast of characters who realize they were in a comic strip and burst from the edge of the frame. He's also known for a series of comedy books dedicated to his Buster Keaton-inspired character, Fred the Clown. His work on Fred the Clown was nominated for two Eisner Awards, a Harvey Award, a Rubin Award, and an Ignatz Award. And edited by Scott Alley. We get this opening. This is really funny. We see Hellboy and he's all like reluctantly tracking some monster in here, right? right. Like he's all scared and stuff. Mm-hmm. The monster pops out and Hellboy starts running away. You said you's looking for a monster, the creature says. When did I say that? Hellboy responds as he runs off. And then they get into like this cartoon fight. Like it's literally got like the ball with the sound effects like you would see in those Looney Tunes and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. What do you think of this art style? Oh, you know. It's like, um, it reminds me like of Cracked or Mad Magazine or something like that. You know what I mean? It really does. Yeah. It very much feels like a cartoon to me. Hellboy gets tossed out of the cave. Goddamn revenuers. The monster says. And so I thought this was an interesting comment. That's I had to look that up. That's a term used for law officials who enforced prohibition. So why would he call Hellboy that? I thought that was so weird and okay. random. Hellboy's tossed all the way to the BPRD headquarters, and he lands in front of the giant face of the great and powerful Tom Manning. So this is Manning yeah. in this version. This <laughs> is like a big floating head. So, Hellboy, you have failed to complete another mission, I see. And again with the bleeding. Who's going to clean that up? Not me, mister. And Hellboy's like, oh, if you just gave me a gun. And he's like, silence, the great and powerful Tom knows a loser when he sees one. Obviously, I must send in my very best agent. You there, you know what to do. And so there's this guy with a fez standing by. And he's like, presenting Abe Sapien, star of the BPRD. And we see Abe come in. He's got like a trench coat and a gun. And uh, well, and there's like a whole line of trumpeteers. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> blowing their trumpets, you know? Yeah. Oh, this is so silly. Hold on back here. You know where uh, Hellboy says, you know, if you gave me a gun, well, we all know Hellboy can't shoot for shit. Oh, so. that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's another kind of inside joke. These henchmen oh. that he has, I was trying to figure out if these were references to something. He's got like his little sidekicks are this goon. In a black and red sweater and goggles. Is that supposed to be like Lobster Johnson or something? And then there's like this little look goblin looking like guy. Lobster yeah. Johnson. Why would he be Lobster Johnson? He looked more like a Freddy Krueger enthusiast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Abe, he inspects this file and there's just like a bunch of silliness in this. He calls the cave monster of Laco Brinza Dunzylvania is kicking up some sand. That's right, Abe. You know how I hate to bother you, Manning says, but this case requires some top-notch strategy. And that idiot boob friend of yours just couldn't cut it. Don't worry, Tom, Abe says. I have a plan that just might work. And then so he shows up to the creature who's laying in bed, and he's just like, hey, you. And he just, like, blows him to pieces. But I do love that circle panel with the blam, blam, blam and everything. That's really great. Yeah, that's a good panel. The heroic Abe brings the creature back to Manning, and he's like, bravo, Abe. We get this other scene where, like, all these women these are... These are yeah. all over him, but it turns out to be a daydream. Yeah, and so Abe wakes up, he's in, in like, comes a... comes Hellboy, hey, hey, suckers! <laughs> 
And I love Abe in his little cubicle here. He's got like the poster to Jaws and like just a fish like a picture, picture in his little... <laughs> what is that? Man, oh man. Did you boneheads miss a great party last night? Hellboy says. Oh, that's right. None of the small fry were invited. This, Sorry. This uh, good hero shot of Hellboy here. Yeah, and in the background here, there's we can see Kate and Roger, too. Their little depictions are really cute. Oh, I just like that, yeah. yeah. And Hellboy's mentioning all these people that he was rubbing elbows with, famous people, I guess, at the time. You know, it's kind of weird to listen to these references, right? Sorry, Abe has a signed picture from this guy. <laughs> says, to Abe. Yeah, I saw that. that. Okay, but this you is... see right next to that? Is that Johan? Oh, in the corner, yeah. There's like a... Yeah, there is like a little... I didn't even notice that the first time. That is a little Johan right there. Great detail. So he mentions Bill and Hillary Clinton. Oh, That's man. kind of weird. So is this like, yeah, it's very... It's kind of a dated reference now. Yeah, it is kind of dated. Like, it doesn't really translate into modern... You know, you read that now and you're just like, ooh. Yeah, a little bit. He also mentions Princess Stephanie of Monaco. She was the youngest child of Rainier III, Prince of Monaco, and the American actress Grace Kelly. And she's been a singer and fashion model. I was like, isn't that also the one that Wayne and Garth were obsessed over in Wayne's World? Oh, is that it? Right. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember I that. Don't remember. Right. And he mentions King Aswad. I couldn't find a reference to that. And he also mentions coffee. And so I don't really know what that reference is. Apparently, he had a very voluptuous date or whatever. This very Sorry, it reads like an SNL skit. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's very like, all right. (laughs) And so I thought maybe he might be referencing Kofi Annan. This was a Ghanaian diplomat who served as the seventh Secretary General of the United Nations from 1997 to December 2006. So that would have been around this time. He and the United Nations were jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in December of 2001. Yeah, and so Hellboy just goes on and on. He's just like bragging about all the stuff that he got to do. He had to represent the Bureau. I guess that's the price you pay for being the best, he says. And then he's like, oh, Abe, you punched in for me and did my incident report, right? And Abe's like, yeah, you know, I typed it up last night. By the way, do you have that $10 I loaned you last month? And Hellboy reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a bra. And then he just throws it on Abe's head and laughs and leaves. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It, I think an SNL sketch is a great way to, to yeah. describe this one. It's yeah. a very, so it's a lot of SNL energy here. It feels like if this were animated, it would fit perfectly in Adult Swim. Well, there you go. Yeah, it does kind of seem like Adult Swim. I think that the humor is not funny enough to be Adult Swim. Uh. <laughs> oh, I, I... I think it actually needs to be funny first. Well, I, I well, thought I, I thought like kind of the first. I thought the daydream part was funny, and then when Hellboy comes in, just some of the references and some of that stuff that he says is not exactly. It doesn't read well today. I I, I yeah. don't think so. Canon or uh, not? No, it's not <laughs> self-aware enough. Yeah. To be funny. I do enjoy the art, though. I do enjoy this humorous stuff with the art. I I think it. I think that's pretty good. I mean, I I, I thought it was humorous. Really? But. It's just not really my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that it was trying to be funny, and I'm pretty sure people thought it was fucking hilarious. But to me, I'm just like, meh. Right. (laughs) It's too much time on every joke. Right. We get it. We get it. Like, we get it. Abe Abe is a dork, and Hellboy is the star. Yeah. (laughs) Are there any other jokes? The whole thing is the same joke. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. 
maybe I'm just being too nitpicky because I haven't written or drawn any sequential art. I'm not a writer or an artist. I couldn't do any better. Well, I'm not like I could not do a better job at this. So I'm not. Who am I to criticize, right? Like, I shouldn't probably be so harsh. It's not really very nice. Whom's amongst us? Whom's amongst us? But um, John Arcudi, he's gone on to write so much better stuff sure, for the BPRD yeah. And, yeah. and for, you know, the universe. So Well, and of course, you know, this was intended for Weird Tales, so it was just trying to be... I wonder if anybody something. knew what Weird Tales was supposed to be. Right. Because it yeah. seems like this is just, they were like, it's do whatever you want. Here are the characters. Yeah. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and for our next story, we're going to read 15 minutes. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number 8. Story and art by Jill Thompson. Jill Thompson is an American illustrator and writer who has worked for stage, film, and television. Well known for her work on Neil Gaiman's The Sandman characters and her own Scary Godmother series. She also worked on The Invisibles, Swamp Thing, and Wonder Woman. Thompson has won multiple Eisner Awards, including in 2001 for Best Painter for Scary Godmother, 2004 for Best Painter Multimedia Artist for Dark Horse Book of Hauntings, and also for being the artist on Beast of Burden. And so Beast of Burden is an amazing series, and we're going to get to actually a Hellboy crossover with Beast of Burden probably uh, around Halloween times. And so I really do love her art. We'll talk about her story, though, because this is kind of a weird one, too. The art is breathtakingly beautiful i think no it's great oh, and and, and a i lot, love it <laughs> but a lot of this is just the art we kind of come in on this spooky town and we go through it and focus in on this graveyard and i like on this first panel there's like just one little skull like peeking up from under a gravestone and then on the next panel there's all these skeletons yeah coming up from the ground and they all walk over to this like creepy church and they go inside and they see this woman, and so she looks afraid when she sees them in this bottom panel here. And again, it's just like kind of mood setting. It's really beautiful. Is this like painted? Yeah, it looks, it uh, looks like watercolor. watercolor, yeah. And as the ghosts, they approach the woman, then she turns around and then she's like, no need to grab. There's plenty for everyone. It and she's BPRD release form. Yeah. On there. And she's <laughs> like, quickly, though, it's time. Now, don't just stand there. Do nothing. Okay. And so she's like, so we see them all in line, these skeletons signing these little forms, and then they all gather around this crypt. And so in the next page, it's I think it's funny because they're all posed in these dramatic kind of... Oh, right. Like... <laughs> yeah, they really hammed it up here with yeah. their poses. And we see Hellboy crashing in through a stained glass window, and he's fighting a giant rat monster. You know what I hate about giant rat guys, he says? You always need to take a bath. I really love this page. It's a great splash. But it's like, it's so funny. Like, this is what it would look like. Like, we're, we're in the comic in this page. Right. Like, we're in the fourth yeah. wall and the other ones. And then on this one, we're actually in the story, whatever's happening with Hellboy. So he's fighting the rat. And then he's... Well, I do I do like this little backflip thing. Or like, when Hellboy falls. You know, in the action movies, when they kind of like get on their hands and like kind of flip back up to standing the up yeah yeah like yep. i think that that's what he's kind of doing right there oh, i yeah. really love yeah. that i really that i really respond to that i was like that is so fucking cool <laughs> i would love to see hellboy do that that would be pretty awesome but all we, of his we love a good kip up in this family yeah in this house <laughs> in this house we love a good kip up yeah so he's looking for his holy water 
And but all of his stuff fell out of his pockets, I guess. Uh-oh. And he's like, "Oh, that's why you have those snaps on there." I know, so they don't fall out. <laughs> and he's like, "Think I can find that incy vial of holy water amongst the broken glass, or find lovely Mister Gun before this frustratingly resilient rat guy chews my face off, or not, not." And so he takes one of the skeleton legs and he just starts beating the rat monster with that. Rude. I love the action, though, and then when he... Oh, well, I guess he knocked the rat out with those skeleton legs, and then as he's on the ground, he kind of, like, points down in it. That's what's good for you. I really love that panel, and I think that that's a good Hellboy line. You know, that's not one that we've heard him say, I don't think, but I think it goes along with the spirit of stuff that he would say. Wacky. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, that was a nice window, the stained glass window that they crashed through. And then he, like, takes the rat with him, and he's like, come on, Stinky. After Hellboy leaves, then the woman comes back in, and she's like, bravo, amazing performance. And so the skeleton's like, oh, what about my legs? Because he took his legs and beat him, and she's like, oh, the release form says, ride at your own risk. Let's box you up in your pals and grab some catering before we hit our next location. And so they all go to catering, <laughs> and the little skeleton there is with his badge and stuff. I like when the one skeleton's like, oh, my legs, there's a little skeleton in the back going, I'm okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is really cute. I love the personality that she gives these, like, emotionless skeletons. So she's talking about, you know, no one wants to see Hellboy fight some more tidy. They want atmosphere. Is this like a fourth wall breaking? Yeah. Like, like it's all a comic book, but she's in charge of set dressing for the comic book? Right. Okay, well, here, let me me just go ahead and jump into... Canon or not? No, 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 because it's, she is doing set dressing for a comic book. Well, that's what I was, that's what I wanted to bring that up because like Aubrey has said a couple times, I would roll this into the movie canon because in the movie canon, he calls, he calls one of the bad guys stinky. Doesn't he use that in the, in the movie? And they go to, yeah, he's like, come on, stinky. And so. I think this fits in perfectly with the movie canon, and it's, and it's like okay. the skeletons. It's like the skeletons signed up to be in the movie. Oh, they signed up to be in the movie, like extras. I don't know. That's how I picture it. <laughs> but but you're right because we don't see cameras or whatever. It's not like they're going to do a take and and leave. So yeah, you are kind of like it's fourth wall breaking. Oh, no, 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 wait, because here it says uh, I got my SAG card. Yeah, so you're right. That's a Screen Actors Guild. You're okay, yeah. Reference. So then he's like, I can do Shakespeare. No, no, no. So you're right. So it's not for the comic books, for the movies, for the movies. Yeah, and that's how so I kind of took it. Like the, she's like the set prop person. Yeah. For, uh, the extras person. She's in charge of hiring extras for the movie. And like- so they come and they're extras in the Hellboy movie? Sure. Okay. I'll take that. All right. I like how the the one the skeleton that says I can finally do Shakespeare is just a head right now. Yeah, he's a head. I'm a skull. I'm sorry, a skull. But that's uh, uh, that's our Hamlet reference, which is also referenced in a lot of Hellboy stuff. We even got a check, please. It's a living. Yeah. It's a very like a Flintstones thing yeah. where like there's a dinosaur Ooh. that's a lamp. Oh, you're right. It's a living. That's great. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, and- did Mignola just draw the Flintstone vacuum cleaner? There recently? you go. It's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I thought this was a cute story. I really love the art. I really love that comment that Aubrey's made a couple times where you've said that you roll it into the movie canon. And so I'm like, yeah. this is perfect for that. I love that. I mean, yeah, this definitely fits in that kind of thing. This is like the movie that they made in the movie canon. And they got Hellboy to star in his own movie. Right, that, so. yeah. <laughs> 
The next story that we're going to read is called Stillborn. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number three, written by Matt Hollingsworth and Alex Maleev. And the art is also by Alex Maleev, lettered by Galen Showman. We've all seen these guys work before in the series. Hollingsworth colored Hellboy promotional comics, Hellboy the Corpse, and Batman Hellboy Starman. Alex Maleev did Hellboy and the BPRD 1952, which we already covered on the podcast. And mm-hmm. Galen Showman also lettered Command Performance, which we read on last week's episode. And I think he also lettered Vampire of Prague. We oh, o- weird. We open in this hospital, and inside, Hellboy sits on a bench as Abe and Liz talk to the doctor. And I really like this framing because it's like we kn- we get from the dialogue that Abe and Liz are there. And they're talking to a doctor, but we don't see them. We just see Hellboy. Right. And he's not even part of the conversation. And as the conversation's going on, we're zooming in on him. And so Liz and Abe are saying that their people have led them to believe that there's going to be a dangerous birth in the hospital. The baby could cause a lot of trouble for the staff. And they want to be present in the room when it's born. And so the doctor's obviously like, I don't know if I can allow this. But as they're talking, like Hellboy's just sitting there and he starts drifting off into sleep. And I just really think that this is uh, some great pacing on the page. A very different Hellboy, though, than Alex Maleev did in 1952. You know what I mean? Well, that was a younger Hellboy. Oh, okay. (laughs) And so we go into Hellboy's dream. So we saw him falling asleep. And now in the dream world... We see Hellboy, and it's kind of interesting, too, the framing on the page, because there's like a gray border, and the pages are numbered, and then inside is the artwork. And so we see Hellboy in there, he's like in this white background with nothingness, and then there's like this squid alien monster, and inside the monster, there's almost like a translucency to it, where there's like a three-headed baby squid monster inside of it. The monster almost kind of looks like a mutated sperm with four or five tails. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the baby kind of it looks kind of something mutated weird, too. Yeah, and so a lot of this is just art again. It's just these panels of Hellboy kind of fighting this squid monster. It's just really kind of like trippy and dreamlike. I do love this quality of this story. I think it's really cool. Hellboy gets dropped by this baby monster... And then as he approaches it on the ground, we see this, like, death figure come. So it's like this floating man. We can, like, see its feet, like, hanging in the air. And it's holding, like, a lantern of some sort. And it comes and it picks up that three-headed baby thing. And as he flies off with it, we see this whole row of, like, these death things or whatever. These shrouded figures and they all have people that they're carrying off into this like weird vortex thing. I really was amazed by this. I I really enjoyed this, and I was just like, it does feel like a dream. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. As Hellboy sees all these like death figures floating away, there's like a giant snake that slithers by him. I thought that was a nice touch. As it slithers, like the earth splits behind it. Just a really nice artistic effect. All of this is like. I love the way this dream sequence flows. I could really see it happening. I could really see it moving through the pages. Hellboy falls into the chasm that it creates, and then he wakes up. So he wakes up, and they're still there, Abe and Liz, talking to the doctor. 
And I like how he opens his eye. We like see it through that yellow lens, right? Because his eyes are orange or whatever. It's a neat effect. Suddenly the nurse comes in and she's like, come quick, doctor. She's flatlining. And so the doctor leaves and Hellboy says, they're not going to need our help, Liz. The baby's dead and gone. The end. So, like, that's what he saw in his dream. Somehow in his dream he tapped into that was that baby and then it got carried off by those death guys and that meant that it wasn't able to come to Earth or it wasn't able to enter our realm or whatever that thing was. It means it was still one. Yeah, yeah. I like how non-phased the doctor is when she's like, Doctor, come quick. She's flatlined. He's like, Miss, if you'll excuse me, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I've seen a few medical dramas, you know, because my mom used to watch them. When they're flatlining, they don't just stop. They don't just like, oh, pardon me, they they bolt. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can it or not? Can it or not? I don't care about this at all. Okay. I just, I that's miss- my opinion about this. I'm going to say movie canon because of the way his gun looks. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's it's got fine. the big gun. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, we have seen, like, Hellboy have weird dreams, and his dreams relate to stuff that's happening in the real world. So, I don't know. I kind of liked this one. I kind of liked the flow. Just a weird, trippy dream sequence. I, I thought it was kind of nice. Anyway. It's hard for me to care uh, about any of these. I really enjoyed Alex Molly's art. I mean... It's yeah. always a pleasure to, to look at that. Yeah, I, I highly agree. For our next story, we're going to discuss The Dread Within. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number 4, story and art by Jason Pearson. Jason Pearson is an American comic book writer and artist known for his work on books such as Legion of Superheroes, The Dragon, Blood and Guts, Global Frequency, and his own creator-owned series, Body Bags. Colored by Dave Stewart and lettered by Michelle Madsen and edited by Scott Alley. We open on Liz and she's looking at a picture of her parents. From these all these thought balloons, we learn that it's the 20th anniversary of her accidentally killing them. She imagines talking to her dad and tells him that the BPRD is keeping her busy. They try to keep her busy, maybe to keep her from joining them. Which is pretty dark, you know. Uh, she's even like... I even bought an unregistered gun that's meant to kill grizzly bears. But she said she would obviously never use it. And then the photo burns in her hand. Too scared to die, too scared to live. What do I do, Dad? She Can asks. you buy an unregistered firearm from a pawn shop? Is that a thing you can do? Maybe in 2003. Like a black market kind of it's thing. It's like an under-the-table kind of thing. But she specifically it- says the pawn shop guy. Well, you know, kind of like that pawn shop in The Crow. Where they were buying all the uh, sure. the guys, like, you know. It's like, like on the side, kind of. Yeah. A, we just have to yeah. assume that it was an under-the-table thing. Yeah. Okay. What do you think of these? Uh, what are these cuff things? I kind of like that. On the sleeves? Yeah, what is that? The artist cuff? was bored and wanted to draw <laughs> lace cuffs. Okay, is that like... Is that part of the shirt, or is that in the jacket? No, it looks like it's, yeah. Part of the shirt, it's I would say. shirt, Oh, yeah. okay. I thought that was a nice touch. I, I could see that being part of Liz's style. I don't know. I really, uh, for goth. some for some reason, I was like, I like those cuffs. I noticed sure, them. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> the Bureau sends her on these stupid little ghost hunts. At any moment, Abe or HB will be at my door with a dossier and plane ticket. Maybe this will be my final job, she thinks. And then we do see Hellboy and Abe show up. And Abe is in this hoodie. I got to talk about Abe in this hoodie. I need more of this. Uh-huh. 
I love that. <laughs> you know, there was in the Dark and Terrible series, there was one panel where Abe had the radio, he had the boombox, and he was in a hoodie, and I loved that. I love Abe in a hoodie. I want to see yeah. more of that. I wish they would have gone with this a little bit more or something like that. It's a great look for him. I really enjoyed that too much. <laughs> much better than that uh, funky shirt of his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I really love that panel. You know, Hellboy and Abe aren't in this story. They just appear in that one panel, but it's a great panel. We cut to Portland, Oregon, and we meet two other agents, a psychic Ipswich and the BPRD rookie, Upon. As they talk, we learn one agent went in and never came out. The family is being terrorized by a poltergeist. The rookie wants to go in, but Ipswich says something's not right. The house is new, and they have no history of supernatural activity, and so he wants to play it safe. Safe upon ass, you picked the wrong time for caution. I hear she's crazy. And then just then Liz walks up. Funny, I hear that too. Let's go. And there's we've seen some of that in some of the stories where, you know, they all have the regular agents or the rookies have opinions of Liz or they think that, you know, the supernatural agents are all crazy. When they go inside, Ipswich starts to feel sick and they find a dead agent. He's got his throat slit and there's weird writing in a circle around his head. Ipswich says it's Aramaic. This is a Semitic language, a Syrian dialect which was used as a lingua franca in the Near East from the 6th century BC. While they inspect the writing... They find a little girl. Uh, the rookie finds her. She says, there's a monster in here. As they're investigating, Ipswich continues to succumb to the bad feeling. And he says, it's not a ghost. It's a demon. Something's really wrong here, he tells Liz. Ghosts don't usually require spells or break people's necks. He's like, I don't know, passing out or whatever. He tells Liz that she needs to find a talisman. A demon's doorway to our side. Look for a small statue or medallion. Liz thinks they need backup, but the rookie says they need to find the girl's family. And then behind him, the girl's eyes are all evil. I like that little detail there. <laughs> Suddenly, he gets thrown across the room, and he lands on the other agent. And then Liz turns and she looks, and she sees this scary ghost face. I'm a ghoul face. <laughs> well, I was going to actually ask you about this. Um, have you guys seen The Exorcist? Long time ago. You know, there's the scary face in The Exorcist. You know, it's really a terrifying effect. Have you seen that movie? There's like just this white face that just appears in the black. and it, It'll just blink on the screen for a second. The first time I saw that movie, that genuinely terrified me. And like even later, like I was still like kind of frightened thinking about that. And I feel like that's what they're trying to reference here because that face okay. almost looks exactly like the face from The Exorcist. I'll have to put them side by side in our post this week. And then we see the house explode from outside. All of a sudden, Liz is on the ground and she's approached by a woman. We reveal that these are the parents and they've been trapped in the basement. They were like, there was an explosion. The floor caved in. What happened? The woman says her husband is hurt really bad. And her daughter, Cassie, something's wrong with her. And Liz says, is there a talisman? Did you find some weird object or a small statue? And she's like, yes, we found something. I immediately disliked it, but Cassie loved it. But when she started talking to it and acting weird, I took it away and hid it. And so she tells Liz where it is. Okay, so, so first of all, if your kid likes something like 
a statue or a toy or an action figure or a stuffed animal and they're talking to it, don't take it away. That's normal. <laughs> well, I don't she know says, about in this case. Asked, probably no, but that's like, like, so I don't understand. Well, she started talking to it. So I got freaked out. But that's, you know, if they hadn't added the next phrase, acting weird. Sure. Which could have been any number of things. I don't feel like she needed to include talking to it, though, because, like, kids talk to their toys Sure, constantly. yeah, okay. That's That struck me as overreacting. Yeah. But then acting weird could have been anything like her head was rotating on her right. neck, like, all the way around. You know, or whatever, she's had weird glowy monster eyes, or she was spitting up pea soup, or whatever the fuck. Like, that's, you know, she's crawling on the ceiling like a spider. Right. That kind of thing. But, like, just talking to your toys is not a big deal. <laughs> Or vomiting pee because that's what she's about to do. Oh yeah, vomiting right now urine, when, right. when she uh, as Liz approaches her, we see the scary little girl in there, and she turns around and we see this little statue. Okay, so remember, she's I so offended though. Urine, it's very like <laughs> the f- come on kind of a thing, which I appreciated that panel a lot. But going back to that exorcist face that I was talking about earlier, yeah, this little statue is Pazazu. And this is the statue from that was also featured in the movie The Exorcist. Pazuzu! Pazuzu, you ungrateful gargoyle! This is a 1973 <laughs> American supernatural horror film directed by William Friedkin and produced and written for the screen by William Peter Blatty based on the 1971 novel, also by Blatty. In the first installment in The Exorcist film series, it follows a demonic possession of a 12-year-old girl and her mother's attempt to rescue her through an exorcism conducted by two priests. And in ancient Mesopotamian religion, Pazuzu was the king of the demons of the wind, brother of Humbaba and son of the god Hanbi. He also represented the southwestern wind, the bearer of storms and drought. And so this is where I feel like they were referencing that exorcist face, because we've got the statue from the exorcist, and then in this panel where she throws up, she looks like, what was her name? Reagan? Yeah. Wasn't that the name of the girl? And then she projectile vomits, just like in The Exorcist also. So it's basically uh, like, what if Liz was in The Exorcist? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So this is probably just a coincidence, but the Pazuzu statue, you notice has a hole where it scratches. Yeah. And then she vomits pee into her face. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I wonder if that, has, if that goes together. And after Liz gets vomited pee all over her she falls back and she cracks her head on the ground yikes bad day and (laughs) she has so she was talking to her dad in those thought balloons when she was looking at that picture earlier and then here she's like having a conversation with him and she's like can i stay with you and he's like no it's not your time you have a little girl to save and she's like oh someone else can get that little girl and he's like not her she's talking about herself right embrace her don't kill her, the dad says. But he's talking about Liz herself. Mm-hmm. And then also it's kind of one of those things because he's saying don't kill her. And then when Liz comes out of it. She's being like strangled by this little girl. And the mom's like, no, don't do it. And she's yeah. like, the fire witch will die. Yeah. That's very. <laughs> but I do like very, that. Very vulgar what she yeah. said to her mother. <laughs> oh, Yeah. But I do like that when you have a dream and someone's saying something and it's incorporated into the dream, but it's also happening in real life. I do like that. Yeah. And so Liz is like the talisman. Her eyes glow with fire. And then we see the Pazuzu statue burn up. And as it does, we see that scary face. Again, that's the exorcist face. If you go back and you look at that, 
it looks exactly like that same facial features. And so the little girl, she seems all right now. Is it over the mother ass? It better be, Liz says. And we see the little pile of ash outside afterwards. Liz talks to Ipswich and she's like, oh, the rookie seems a little shaken up. I wouldn't worry, Ipswich says. He'll be fine. So what about you? And Liz looks over. She sees the little girl in the back of the car waving at her. And her expression softens quite a bit. Yeah, that's a cute panel. Do me a favor, Ipswich, she says. Tell the boys at the bureau I won't be coming right back. Don't tell me, he says. There's another little girl to save. Something like that, she says. And she walks off. It's very familiar. What is her relationship to this guy? Because I feel like he's... That's a little over the line. I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I don't think we've ever heard of this guy before. No. He's just made up for this story. How would, he so. know, how would he know her entire backstory that's going on <laughs> in her head while she's unconscious with her father? Right, Like, right. that seems... Well, I think when he says that, he says... There's another little girl that she needs to save. Is oh. he? Isn't he just for surface saying that she's got another mission? Or because they get their missions from the bureau. So like, if she had, it's a, a mission, weird comment. I'd, yeah, if she had a mission from the bureau, that it's it's a that, it's a weird bit of writing. It seems like they were really trying to wrestle that yes. into the ending of the thing where she's like something like that. Yeah, not quite what you think. <laughs> it applies to me, uh, but you don't know that. But it's but you like don't know that. it's very yeah forced kind of. The rest of it's good though. The rest of the story, is, I could see that. I like, I, I I like the story. I like the story. I'm nitpicking and criticizing, and that's rude. You know, like I've said, you know, before. I I can't do. I I haven't done any of this. Yeah, I haven't drawn or written an entire story. So who am I to talk? You know, the the weird tales are not everybody's thing. I I will admit that, and a lot of people are not really into the non-canon stuff, and I totally respect that, but. You know, we're the per- whole purpose of this podcast is we're reading all the Hellboy comics, yeah, and yeah. quite a few people have said, "Are y'all going to do weird tales? Right, right. Are going to get into the weird tales?" And I told Mark, "Let's work it into somewhere." And so, sure. this is where we put it. I think that this is a good break after everything that we've been through, and we'll be back to yeah. our regularly scheduled yeah. routines. But I, I have sometimes I'm a little harsh, and I don't mean to be. Like I haven't, I haven't. No, it's it's illustrated an entire fucking. Your story, <clears throat> a sequential art story. I've never written or drawn anything like this. So I, who am I to talk? I, I shouldn't be such a. I shouldn't criticize well, so harshly. You're, you're 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 part of the fan base that also feels the same way about the non-canon stuff. So, I don't even know. You know. I don't even consider myself part of any fan base or anything like that. I don't really. You like, are. Yeah. <laughs> I John, would John consider is just like a, I, I, I like to read things. I like to watch things, and I like to talk about them with my friends. And that's a book club. Yeah. So you know, but I, I guess I shouldn't be so. But you say it. Uh, I like this story. I thought it was a good story. Whether or not this is canon, I'm gonna go ahead and let this go into my head canon, only because I really do want to get some more little stories like this with Liz. I feel and this, like, yeah, it could be. Why, why I mean, couldn't this, it be? It's a, it's a mission. Yeah, I, I, I do like that, Aubrey, that you brought that up because the artist and the writer just said, you know what? I've got Hellboy and I've got Abe and I've got, uh, I'm going to put him in one panel and this is just going to be about Liz, which is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like to do some character work. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think that we definitely do need more of that, Aubrey. I'm glad that you brought that yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. You know, you'd have heard me say a billion times on the podcast, I would love to see more stories with Liz, especially in that time mm-hmm. period that's right after that one story we saw her, I guess at her beginning, and then can't remember what it's called right now, and then see the destruction. There's like it feels like there's a few years where the story she's gone on her own missions and stuff like that. Yeah, you're right. 
you know, all all before the world went to hell. <laughs> I feel like I feel like asking you a question in return. What are you asking when you're saying is it canon or isn't it? Do, what is the like? What are you asking? Are so, you asking does it add to your experience of having read all these stories, or does it detract from the experience? Like, is that the question? Because that's what I'm asking myself when I'm reading these. I'm like, sure. does this add anything to my experience of having okay. read all these stories? I talked about it a little bit last week. I've, I think we've talked about it on every episode, but, you know, Ross Radke made this comment that said, Mignola has said, if you like it, it, it could be canon. Sure. And if you don't like it, and so that's basically what I'm asking. Right. Do you like it do you enough? Do like the story or not? Do you like the story enough where you would say, eh, I would accept this into that my personal headcanon? I mean, obviously, they're all non-canonical. Sure. But I'm just saying, and it's also a chance for me to do my little echo effect. And so, you know, that's all it really is. It's just a way, I'm just trying to um, add some spice to the to the episode. Sure. And also yeah. just kind of like make some discussion. You know, I thought it would be fun to, not only for us to weigh in, but for the listeners to also weigh right. in on, on what they think. Because some of the listeners have said, hey, I really like this one. I, I say that it's canon, you sure, know? Sure, sure. And so I'm just saying, because I, I keep coming back to that just because I, I know that these have all been, like, declared non-canonical from the fucking guy. But if you can make your own head canon. Yeah, sure, exactly. So, so this, for I, me, like, I do enjoy character development. I think that that's good when you're telling stories. The panel here where... The little girl's looking like, okay, so Liz looks all mad. She's all pissed off smoking a cigarette. And then the next panel is this little girl looking up through the car window at Liz. Mm -hmm. Like, and then Liz is, you know, you see her reflection in the car window of like, that's a good panel. It is. And it's, it's kind of like, and then the, right mm -hmm. after that, we, we, you know, we already mentioned this, but where her expression softens and she's kind of like, oh, it's, it's all been worth it. She's helped this girl. And if she could help this one girl. You know, it's worth getting pissed on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, and she kind of sees herself in this guy. Like, it's one of those things where she's do making a difference. She's helping, you know, people who need help. And that's kind of a it's just one of the stronger stories we've read. Sure. I would say as far as like, I, I'm not asking myself, why the fuck did I just read this? Sure. It's like <laughs> this is this is somewhat familiar ground. Okay. So. Sure, why not? No, Put it I, in there. You might as well. It could be in there. Yeah. It might as well be. It could be like the cold open for something else. You know, sure. like, oh, I just got back from someone vomiting piss on me. How are you? <laughs> and then Hellboy's like, yeah, but did you save her? Yeah. She's like, yes, I did. Okay, then. That kind of a thing. You yeah. know, like, I remember I like when you that. were a little girl and you, I, yeah. they were like, don't go in there, but I did anyway and all mm. this stuff, like that kind of thing. It could sure. be. It could be a part of a larger story, which for me is, you know, I'm not mad that I read this. I okay, guess, good. It's my criteria. <laughs> I'm not pissed off that I read this. So going back to the whole canon or not kind of thing, yeah. you know, criteria. Uh, today, uh, earlier today, I was reading something. It was a tweet from the story editor uh, from the Star Wars continuity. And he, he was talking about canon. Because somebody asked him a question about what's canon and not. And he's like... And they were talking about, like, canon for them means their internal structure to what they know so they can base their stories on. Yeah. And so, like, you know, for you, it's like, you know, you can read anything and you can decide what you want, pick and choose. Like, sure. you can either say, like, I want this to be in my canon or I don't want this to be in my canon because ultimately it's all fictional stories anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, but I liked how he described it. I mean, I'm not, this is not a direct quote because I don't, I don't remember the direct no, quote. Yeah, I don't remember this... what the guy's name is. Um <laughs> But he's basically saying, like, you know, they use canon 
as an internal structure so they know how to structure their stories going forward to keep them consistent. And I kind of like that idea, yeah. you know, where canon, because I feel like so many people place way too much importance on what's canon or not. Right. Because even in that same tweet thing, people were replying like, whatever, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my time and money spending all this stuff to find out it's not real. I'm right. like, <laughs> None of it is real. <laughs> and it's just like, it's great, dude. It's it's what it, it's like. Did you enjoy? Did you it enjoy at the it? Time? Yeah, you know. Sure, sure, sure. You know they're fun. They're enjoyable. I mean, not, sure. None of these stories I've hated, except for that one. Yeah. I don't remember which one. No. <laughs> There's one story I was just like, I didn't like this one at all. No, yeah. <laughs> but I but think, I mean, yeah. When you're presented with it. when you're presented with a tray full of yeah. little treats, you can pick which little treats you want to take, and you can leave yeah, the ones you don't yeah. want, and that's yeah. fine. Sure. So I think that it, it, I you like know, that. It can be like that. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Which treats do you want to take with you? Yeah. Canon this, or this not? This one's fine. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Great discussion, though. Thank you. Mm-hmm. For our next story, we're going to read "Cool Your Head." This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number five. Both written and drawn by Scott Moores. I love this art so much. Yeah, the artwork is great. I love this Scott art Moores, so much. Scott Moores, he's an American animator, filmmaker, and comic book artist writer. Much of Morse's published work consists of standalone graphic novels, although he is perhaps well known for his 1997 epic series Soul Wind, a story serialized in a sequence of graphic novels which was nominated for both the Eisner and Ignatz Awards. He also worked for Pixar and Disney, and he has a graphic novel series called Magic Pickle. Five, <laughs> it's a five-book children's series. And so I actually looked this up because I was so interested in what Magic Pickle is because we've talked about pickles so much on the podcast. He's like a pickle, and he's got sunglasses and like a star on his head, and he like fights other vegetables that are bad. Okay. There's like bad vegetables and he's like the superhero and like it looked pretty cool. Yeah. I think that goes along with the style too. You can definitely see. I love this art so, so much. As soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, yes. So beautiful. My favorite book as a kid, you know, I mean, I'm talking about like a very, very young child, three or four, something like that. Uh, I had all, you know, all these books memorized. Like, you know, I've read all the Dr. Seuss and stuff, but my favorite one, I, I still have it, is The Color Kittens. Okay. And it's influenced so much now. Like, I am still remember reading that book and learning about colors and looking at these, you know, they're painting and it's like, oh, I want to do art. Like, that's... Yeah. And that, that influenced so much of, like, who I became as far as, like, oh, I love to make art and whatever. But so The Color Kittens, I don't know if, if you've heard of this book or if you okay. know what I'm talking about. It's like a little golden... Oh, I love those little golden books. Yeah, it's just really amazing. You know, Google it. It's 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 really cute. It's um, it like I said, it's it's for very young children. But I really, every time I look at it, I just still can't believe it's real. It seems like something I dreamed up, and it's just this is what that art reminds me of. Okay, and so I fell in love with it instantly. I was just like, oh, it's so good. We see a little bird. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that in the Hellboy comics with just a one little note. I like that. Really cute. And we open in Yosemite National Park in California. This is an American national park located in the western Sierra Nevada of Central California. It was designated a World Heritage Site in 1984. And it says outside the Volgasang. The Volgasang Peak is a peak in the Yosemite National Park. Though Mount Florence is higher, the summit of Volgasang rises higher than most of the surrounding peaks 
and offers sweeping panoramic views in every direction. Whoa. And so we see Hellboy kind of hiking through there. He's got his backpack on. As he's hiking, he hears somebody like scatting. And so he kind of follows that down. And he sees this guy with a beard in this Arctic pool, right? Because these are like glaciers or whatever. Is this like... Well, it could just be like, you know, snow snow on the mountain. Yeah. Uh, right. There you go. I yeah. think it's an exaggeration. And this dude's just chilling in there, right? So he's, he's saying... Definitely chilling. Yeah, isn't that cold? There's still snow around? I guess or, so, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I guess it's cold there. and Because they are in the mountains, so... And he says... Though melted from the blankets of winter, I find it warmer than the heart of man. Okay. And Hellboy's like, whatever. You want to take a bath in a glacier puddle? More power to you. Use some kind of hippie or something? He says, hippie, only peace I'm after is for my head. And he asks Hellboy, you here for the Dharma? And so in Indian religion, Dharma is the eternal or inherent nature of reality regarded in Hinduism as cosmic law underlying right behavior and social order how does it relate to kerouac though and yeah so hellboy says oh you're a kerouac nut because he immediately jumps on that right and so kerouac yeah he was an american novelist and poet of french canadian ancestry he is known alongside william burroughs and allen ginsberg as pioneer of the beat generation his most famous work is on the road based on the travels of kerouac and his friends across the united states and Kerouac talks a lot about that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. And um, he also says, now the Charlie Parker you were belting out makes sense. He's referencing Charlie Parker Jr., also referred to by his nickname Yardbird or simply Bird. He was an American jazz saxophonist and composer. Parker was a highly influential soloist and leading figure in the development of bebop, a form of jazz characterized by fast tempos, virtuosic technique, and advanced harmonies. And so when he mentions Charlie Parker, the guy goes, Charlie Parker, I was riffing on Birds and Diz, man. And so that is an album by Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. So Hellboy knew what he was... He actually did catch that reference, which I thought was interesting. I could almost hear him speaking like kind of stereotypical beat poet, kind of like, you know, I was ripping on birds and kids, my man. Yeah. Hellboy says, well, pin a rose on your nose. I think I got a brownie button for you somewhere in my pack. And so Brownie Button is a reference to the Girl Scouts called Brownies. They're given buttons or badges for good deeds or accomplishments. And so the guy's like, oh, you got some kind of scruffy attitude, don't you? That's not a good nickname. Brownie? Yeah, that's weird, right? That's what the that's Wait, what Girl the Scouts brownie, are. Aren't, no, aren't the Brownies like the Cub Scout version of the Girl Scouts? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why is it such a shit nickname? I have no idea. Scouts <laughs> are like Eagle Scouts. Cub Scouts. Yeah. What the fuck is brownie? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's some weird. bullshit. <laughs> is it because they wear brown? I I don't know. I guess so. Like what? That's so unoriginal. It's, it's really... like <laughs> pick an animal. Yeah, just pick something. Hellboy says, "Lay off me, man. I'm on vacation. Whatever. Hope you find what you're looking for." The man says as he continues swimming in the cold water. And Hellboy His naked just... butt sink in the water. And there you go. The water. <laughs> There's these little sound effects, too, throughout, which I really like when Hellboy's hiking. Yeah, and as he's, like, in the pool, 
I really like those little onomatopoeias. But he says, uh, hope you're fine what you're looking for. And Hellboy says, I'm just looking for a campsite. He goes, hope you find one of them too. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> damn hippie hellboy says but i thought this was interesting there's like a little snake slithering by and the word bubble has the peace symbol in it so what is the snake saying there he's just saying peace hellboy like peace. i guess maybe it's like peace man yeah like because we've seen animals talk to hellboy right like rhinos have talked to him or whatever and stuff like that he's just being peaceful yeah so it's kind of like that's what he's doing hellboy finds a little spot and he puts his feet in the water and he just sits there. He looks up in the sky. And I really love this panel. Like, as he looks up, we see inside his head. Yeah, it's nice. And it's just all this terrible stuff. Like, the right hand of doom and, like, all these scary skulls and devils and whatever, monsters. Looks like there's a bogrush in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that does kind of look like that. The island would have already come out, too, I think. And so, Hellboy just huffs. And then that's it. He just stays there with his feet in the water. And... Yeah, so that was a that, that was a cute story. There wasn't really a lot to that. It was just kind of like atmospheric mood setting, I thought. Except for that little interaction with the guy. And so you go like, well, what did that mean? It's just kind of like, um, it's just trying to, get, I guess, give some perspective to Hellboy and everything that he's wrestling with. Yeah. Get it or not. Yeah, it's fine. yeah i think this one's fine it was very it's it's just really short it's not much you know it's just hellboy hiking through the mountains and talking to this guy for a little bit so sure that could have happened somewhere the art is really gorgeous though i think that that's worth um checking out this story just to like flip through these little pages and look at all these amazing panels um the work by scott morris is really incredible yeah, I thought the uh, I thought the artwork was really beautiful, and I thought the storyline was just it was nice to see a Hellboy story where he just got a chance to relax. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, he he runs into the old man in the pond, he talks to him for a brief moment, and then he goes and finds a place, soaks his feet, and that was nice. It was yeah. nice to see Hellboy get a chance to relax. The the old man didn't turn into a swamp monster or something like that, right? Yeah, I kept because I kept expecting it every page to turn to like, all right, here's where it gets evil. Yeah. <laughs> all right, and for our last story, we're going to talk about Toy Soldier. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number eight, written by Akira Yoshida and Kia Asamiya. And the art is also by Kia Asamiya. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. You know, I don't realize, like, the lettering as much, but, like, when it, you can tell it, it's Clem Robbins again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it, it's got that familiar style. And so I did want to talk about this. This is kind of controversial. I don't know what you guys think about Akira Yoshida, because Yo- Akira Yoshida is actually C.B. Sobolski. Oh, I know who that is. He's an American writer and current editor-in-chief for Marvel Comics. Since he was 20 years old, Cebulski has lived off and on in Japan, where members of his family reside. In 2003, Cebulski created the pseudonym Akira Yoshida, under which he began soliciting work from other companies. His work on the Dark Horse comics books Conan and Hellboy impressed another Marvel editor who, unaware of Yoshida's real identity, asked Sobolski to pitch as well. 
Sobolski continued to use the pseudonym for a number of Japanese-themed comic books he wrote for Marvel in 2004 and 2005, including Thor, Son of Asgard. So he's a white guy pretending to be a Japanese person. Yeah, and so when he okay. wrote those when he wrote those stories, he circumvented a company policy prohibiting Marvel editorial staff from writing or drawing comic books without special permission. Or in case of being granted such permission, being paid for doing so. Wow. And so there is a little bit of a controversy about that. I was reading this a about bit. this. There, there there were articles as of like last year yeah. or within this year of people saying like, is no one going to address the fact that he like yeah. violated company policy and now he's the editor in chief and stuff like that? I remember reading about that as, as soon as he was made editor in chief. That's when I found out about that stuff. Yeah. So it's been there the whole time. Yeah, so I thought that was really weird and kind of interesting. I mean, this would have happened way back before people knew who he really was, you know, which is, you know, I wonder if the people at Dark Horse knew or, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, what is that about? And I, Oh, man. This is I, something that, you know, I think there's uh, two layers Mac to this. can text Scott Alley about. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's two layers to this. I think the first layer is, uh, yeah, he's going against company policy and whatever, but I, to a certain degree, I'm kind of like, I don't give a fuck. Right. It's a multi-billion dollar fucking corporation who gives a shit. And on the, on this, you know, they do whatever they want to do. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. On the second layer of that though, there's a white guy pretending to be a Japanese guy. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weirding me out. It is kind of weird. That part of it weirds me out. He could have just chosen like a, a, a different random and, name. And, and when I did look him up, it did say that his family resides in Japan and he spends a lot sure, of his time there. Sure. But that's also, it's still weird. It's weird. It's still kind of weird. You could have just chosen yeah. a not- um, a cultural name that didn't belong to you and you had no right to right, use. Like, you yeah. could have just chosen a different name. I would have been more cool with that. Like, so I, I like sure. to separate this situation into two different... Right. <laughs> this is kind of two different issues. That issue I have kind of a problem with, but the rest of it where it's like, oh, he defrauded the company. I don't give a shit. Okay. I don't fucking care. Okay. <laughs> I don't care about that. Well, it seems well, like Marvel doesn't care either because they sure. made him editor-in-chief. So there you go. Well, That part's fine. The part where you, like, you know, maybe well, they don't pick that name. Yeah. The, okay, so I, I do, too, want to separate them, and I mostly agree with you on all that, but where he defrauding the company, I don't care. But it's more of the whole, I think the policy is in place, so editors don't give themselves work. Mm. And, and you know, uh-huh, yeah. le, you know, cut out people who legitimately need the work. Right, oh, yeah. No, right. that's a great point. I actually hadn't yeah. thought of it in that that is so, a good point so, that's a great point so that does suck it, a lot that sucks so i don't care about them defrauding the company sure gives a shit but the whole that could work could have gone to somebody else right because i could say i could more. say like well what if i need work and i got work by pretending to have a different name like i pretended to have a dude's name right. and i got a lot i got a lot of work that way I wouldn't have a problem with somebody doing something like that because plenty of women have done that in history. We've seen that over and over again, where a woman will choose a male pseudonym and they'll get a whole shit ton of work. And then they're like, ha I was a lady. And everyone's like, uh. <laughs> you know, and so that's that's that type of shit I'm fine with. The cultural thing is weird. Like the race thing is weird. I don't yeah. think that's cool. And I also don't think like you just brought up an excellent point. Like he's taking work away from people who need it. Yeah. But then like. So did he not need the work, but he just wanted to have more? I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, right. that's kind yeah. of Hard a... Because yeah. well, in his mind, he's like, well, I'm supporting my family by getting work. And I'm living my dreams by 
doing my passion and my craft and so like any way you can get it man but like did he take work away from other people by doing that so i I I don't know know that that would be an issue to think about too so i don't know i don't know that's interesting i mean I mean, I feel like they have that policy in place for a reason. It, sure. I mean, I, don't, I, right. I, I would have, I mean, and like I say, I, I'm just making assumptions on that. I don't know one hundred for an ethical for sure. reason. For an eth- that's actually yeah. like trying yeah. to protect people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that, and not just like the because com- usually there are rules in place that like, oh, it's to protect the company and the the corporation, and not so much like individuals. Right. Yeah. If it's there to protect individuals, then yeah, that sucks. If it's there to protect the company, then I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess that's where we're at. Yeah. And so Kia Asamiya is also a pseudonym for Michitaka Kikuchi. Okay, but okay. So I think maybe maybe they just wanted a name that flowed off the tongue a little better. I don't know. I guess. Well, you know, some people just like to use pseudonyms like George Orwell's not his not Orwell's real name. Right, right. right. Well, and Mark Twain's not his real yeah, name. Yeah, so. there you go. Mark Twain. That's a Asamiya is a Japanese manga artist whose work spans multiple genres and appeals to diverse audiences. He is known for the manga series Silent Mobius, which has also been adapted for animation. Oh, and I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm also familiar with Silent Mobius from back in the day. And we open it on Hellboy. There's a great manga look to this. Sure. I do enjoy this take on yeah. Hellboy. And we zoom in on him and he's like, why am I even here? toys you know and he's in the boardroom of die bang toys and i thought this was a play on bandai sure this is a japanese toy maker and a producer of many plastic model kits as well as former video game company it was the world's third largest producer of toys in 2008 after mattel and hasbro its headquarters is located in tokyo you know obviously they have a bunch of properties Digimon, Kamen Rider, SH Figure Arts, Tamagotchi, Big Hero 6, Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, Godzilla. They had Power Rangers in the 90s, but currently Hasbro owns it. And Hellboy's like, these ghosts are after your toys? So this one guy comes in to better explain. And so this one guy comes in and he's Sasaki-san. And it seems like Hellboy knows him already. He says, I haven't seen you since the Kappa kidnapping in Kobe. And so, a kappa is an amphibious yokai demon or imp found in traditional Japanese folklore. They are typically depicted as green human-like beings with webbed hands and feet and a turtle-like carapace on their backs. And so, I guess he fought these kind of monsters with this guy in Kobe, which is the seventh largest city in Japan. So, I guess he's got a backstory with this guy. This is a unique case. These are the spirits of children, Hellboy-san, restless spirits, who died far too young before experiencing much joy in their lives. They are seeking the fun they were denied when their lives were cut short. So that's why they're after the toys, right? There's nothing worse than immature apparitions, Hellboy says. So they go into the warehouse and Sazaki is like, if you were a child no longer bound to the earthly constraints, where would you go? As a kid, where would you go if you were a ghost kid and you could just go anywhere? Uh, I might still, as an adult, go to a toy store. I mean, right, yeah. Factory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Hellboy's like, point taken. But what do they want with the toys? Eventually, every spirit, no matter how young, really just wants to move on. So what do I have to do? And Sazaki says, you will have to ask them. So Hellboy's like, great. 
And Suzaki just leaves Hellboy on his own. He's like, no, nah, you're on your own. So Hellboy goes in. And as he goes in, he sees some like broken toys. It looks like a Transformer and a Godzilla and a Sailor Moon, which I thought was interesting because those are all... Um, at least Godzilla and Sailor Moon are properties that Bandai had at one time. They're here, Hellboy says. It's got the little sing-song notes around it, which is a reference to Poltergeist, right? Yeah. And so inside, on top of the stacks of toys, Hellboy sees the ghosts of these three kids. And they're like, look, a new one. Maybe he won't break. Finally, something sturdy we can play with. This one kid says, let me go first. And so he creates this giant, like, Gundam thing, right? Is that a Gundam? Yes. Yeah, well, it's, it's like a representation of the Gundam or the Transformer that was laying down. down oh, right. Yeah. I'll say it's a Gundam because look at the thing on on the forehead there. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah, that's why I thought it was a Gundam. And then it's also got like the samurai type clothes, quote unquote. Also, does Bandai put out Gundam? Yeah, maybe that's what that toy was. I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't write that in my list, but there was a huge list. I just picked out some names that I recognized. Mm. So Hellboy dodges that monster. And then one of them creates a Godzilla. And so Bandai did have Godzilla. And so Hellboy's like, uh-oh, and then this giant Godzilla thing, like, breathes all this fire on him. He's able to escape that one, and then there's, like, a Sailor Moon character. Sailor Sunshine Shock, it says. And then it shocks Hellboy with, like, this heart-shaped wand or whatever. You know, I actually am a fan of Sailor Moon. Sailor so. Moon fucking rules. Uh, so I love, like, reading the Sailor Sunshine Shock, I can actually hear it in my head, like, Sailor... Sunshine, <laughs> <Shock>. <laughs> oh, no, Sailor yeah. Moon is great. Sailor Moon is great. The new the new series that's on Hulu is is really good. I haven't, oh, okay, I haven't seen awesome. It. Good to know. Yeah. I'm only familiar with the um, the old school one. School stuff. It's basically the same thing but tightened up. Okay. Okay. Hellboy crashes into all the boxes and he's like, "That's it. It's past your bedtime." Lights out for you, kids. And so he takes the wand from the Sailor Sunshine Shock and hits her with it. He goes to the Godzilla and he knocks that thing out with the right hand of doom. Some great panels here. It's very manga action. I really like all this. It's good to see Hellboy represented in this other style. And then he also fights off the robot Gundam monster. We lost again, they say. What do we have to do, they ask Hellboy. What do we have to do to win? We just don't want to be losers anymore, one of the kids says. We won't be at peace until we win at something. And Hellboy's like, oh, you only want to win once at anything? And he, like, thinks for a little uh-huh. bit. I like that panel where he's like, hmm, do you guys know rock, paper, scissors? And then I love these panels where he's like, you win, you win, you win. Like it, And yeah, it has all great. the different configurations from, like, scissors beats paper, paper beats rock, and rock beats scissors. And they're like, we did it. We finally wanted something. Thank you. Goodbye. And they like kind of disappear. <laughs> we see Hellboy back with Suzaki's son. And he's like, they're gone. How'd you do it? Child's play, Hellboy says. And ah, that's cute. Yeah, I did. I, I, I enjoyed this one. I thought this was a cute one. We've also seen. Yeah, that, I did too. Yeah, we've also seen that Hellboy's good with kids. And so just that you win, you win, you win panel with the rock, yeah, paper, scissors. Cute. I thought that was very cute and that was very Hellboy. Like yes. He's like, how can I get this over with with the least amount of, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
I'm not uh, going to sit here and play a whole board game with these kids or whatever. I'm just going to do the easiest thing possible and get this over with. Yeah, no, I like that whole kind of ending too because it's also reminiscent of like Hellboy also looking for a solution that doesn't involve violence to solve a problem. Yeah, yeah, I do like, like that. Like when um, Abe and Hellboy met Daryl for the first time. Yeah. You know, they're all like guns drawn. He's like, my name's Daryl. He's like, hi, Daryl. This is Gunaway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I like that kind of thing from Hellboy because you don't really get that a lot from yeah. comic books, you know? Yeah. You never see like Spider-Man going, you know, hey, let me talk to you, Green Goblin, and let's work out your problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a good one. So, canon or not? Canon or not? <laughs> yeah, I say I like this one enough. I think this one's fine. Um, I like that Hellboy has outside adventures with other, like, international BPRD agents where they fight turtle monsters or whatever. So, yeah, I say I like this one enough. What do you say, Aubrey? I like it enough. I mean... It was cute. It's quick. It's it's it goes in that whole uh, vein of like the short stories where it's just a little side mission that he's on. It you is know, like imagine, the short stories, yeah. You could imagine like you know the, the next day he goes and sees those stupid floating heads guys. Sure, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, I liked it. It's fine. It's cute. It's, okay. It yeah. Is, uh, it's you know. I think we all agree on this one. Yeah, it's good enough. It, I mean, it, and I do like, uh, I, I did like that comment, Aubrey, where you said like the next day he could go fight the floating heads or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. Uh, oh, wait, but it might not be in the same year. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not going to think but about you know, that. But you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's got that same feel of the short stories. Yeah. So, awesome. And we'll be checking out some more Weird Tales next week. Next week will be our final week of Weird Tales. And then we'll be back on our all canon stuff. Again, I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes, and now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. Share us your weird thoughts about these weird tales, <laughs> or, you know, your normal thoughts will also work, too. <laughs> you can send us a, hey, you weird guys, at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast, and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find our resources on our Facebook About section and also on our Podbean webpage. As always, a special thanks to you to Paul from Gotahan for the music. Oh, man, you know we love that. Theme. Yes. Also, thank you to Mark Trudell for always helping out with the reading order and slotting in these weird tales for us. And always, a thanks to John for keeping us sounding cool even when we're being weird. <laughs> <laughs> You can find the podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And next week, we are finishing up the weird tales and reading Downtime, Friday, Professional Help, Party Pooper, Curse of the Haunted Dolly, or is that Dolly? Long, when has a Dolly distance. ever been haunted, though? Well, we're, I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Long Distance Caller and My Vacation in Hell. So... <laughs> You know what to do. Don't put away that Weird Tales trade yet. Or pull out those issues, get some digitals, psychically read them through the psychic net, um, which is not real. And join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, you always need to take a bath. <laughs> it's Danielle's birthday. Uh, it's Danielle's birthday. birthday.